Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the mums, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Having ya, it's the Black Country Blokes tuning about with me, Kev Dillon, Nick Cabman, Craig Pinches <laughs> and Aaron Chu. And tonight we're going to be talking about Child Mental Health Day, is it? And week. World, oh, sorry, Child Mental Health Week and World by Cancer Day. Now, I believe so much mental health believe, um, starts off when we're children, from what we see, what we do, what, and how we've reacted to it. So if anyone out there would like to write in a comment, either about how they started off their mental illness journey, or if you want to talk about one of your kids or a loved one. And obviously cancer, you know, the big C, we've all known people who've had cancer, and unfortunately we've lost cancer. And it's one of those things that, you know, it's been in everyone's life and it doesn't make it any bloody easier. So, um, Aaron, is there anything you want to say, bro? Yeah, obviously very, very, very important days. Um, I think we wanted to raise awareness for that. So obviously if anyone's listening, then please do, you know, give us give us your two cents. If there's anything that you want to say, you know, we can share it on the show. We can have a conversation about that. Um, it wasn't something that we were obviously thinking of doing for the whole episode, but again, we can always navigate towards that. Um, but you, you touched on a good point there in terms of the, the importance of child mental health in terms of, I think all four of us ha- at some stage on one episode, somewhere along the line, we've mentioned where we kind of felt like, ah, I think my mental health, or should I say ill mental health journey kicked in around here. I know for myself, I said anxiety really became a thing around the age of 11. Um, when I, Prior to that, I don't think I ever, you know, be stressed, but I don't think stress is the same as anxiety, but I never had any sort of like overwhelming feeling of, know gut wrenching or anxiety or not wanting to be there and that really kicked in at around 11 so i think it's nice that as a nation i'm not sure if it's just uk bound that this is being recognized and that we are now trying to think of the future the future of this country because i do sometimes feel that the children growing up today have it harder than us um i was the millennial millennial year and we were getting you know it's easy for you guys you don't know how hard it is but i was like we had our own transitions growing up I always felt like when I was going through school, we were the guinea pig year, so they were trying new things with us, new tests, new everything. So we were always trying, let's, let's see how these guys get on and then we'll, you know, we'll fix it later. And I think nowadays, especially with social media, the, the kids have it so tough. And becoming an influencer, the, uh, slight, slight tangent, is almost now like a future job. So a lot of kids now know that they can get into jobs utilizing social media. And that, as we all know, and I think we just spoke just before we come on the show, social media, as good as it is, it also has a bearing on your, on your mental sanity as well. If you don't recognize that it's not real and when to step away from it and how to, how to play it. So, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a great initiative. I think definitely want to obviously mention it now. If anyone's got kids and stuff and they're worried about it, by all means, write in. But that, that's all I really want to say on that. Well, on Tuesday, we had um, uh, a lady come on from Ripple. And she's doing her part to combat suicide on the internet because there's some horrendous sites we can click on and find out how to complete suicide. So Alice from Ripple is doing amazing work. So if you didn't listen to it, go back and find us on podcast or on YouTube. And it's such a wonderful thing she's trying to do for such a normality cause. How about you, Craig? Yeah, I mean, like 
ditto what Aaron said as well. And like you say, becoming an influencer is, is a potential job role. Now, I, I think, Lee, you may have mentioned when we first started out that one of your kids was looking at wanting to do a, be a YouTuber or something. Yeah, if I remember yeah, correctly. He, he does now and he has his own YouTube channel. Um, and that's come with a, he's, he's learned that's come with a bit of backlash. You know, there's some people out there who just won't like his videos or, or downvote his videos. And I'll explain to us, yeah, it's great. It's great when people downvote. Said, what do you mean? So, well, if, pe- if people are liking you and disliking you, it means they're listening to you. And I think you sometimes have to change the way he thinks about it. Um, think, and that's what I've tried I to think- do with it. That's, that's the thing. I mean, even with me, with some of my music and that, I was saying to you yesterday that I've been having negative comment, negative comment, loads of negative comments. The further afield it's reached, the more negative. And I've, to be fair, when I first read the message, I thought, fuck, you know, the, the dislikes are getting more than the likes. It's the opposite way around now. I will. I'll, I'll put that against myself. <laughs> um, but like, I was thinking, like they've said this and they've said that. And I was taking it personal. And I'm a 32-year-old guy. And I... I sort of have more of a grasp on what the world's like and what people can be like in the real world than what a child has. I, I will, uh, you know, go out on a limb and say, but it is it is cruel. And, you know, for a child to, a child doesn't see social media as a tool. Now, us from a business standpoint, you've, we look at it as a tool. Um, and I've just recently deleted that every one of my socials apart from LinkedIn and, and YouTube because I found I was, I was scrolling or I was posting something to Facebook that maybe it was just a picture of my boys or a poem. And, and I thought, why? Like, there's, it, there's, no, there's no purpose to it. I'm getting no value from it in my life. It's adding none. But I still say that it's useful as a tool. Um, but a child doesn't see it as a tool. A tool you'd look at using from nine till five and, and analysing it and seeing how you can use it better. Whereas a child will be on it they could be on it from the minute they get up to the minute they go to sleep. And who keeps who keeps tabs on their mental well-being? Because they may be smiling and laughing, but I know full well if my son got a negative comment on his TikTok, it'd, it'd eat him alive. Um, but if he doesn't say anything, I wouldn't know other than his face. So I think kids need to realise social media, it is effectively a tool. Um, and I suppose that's why there's age limits on social media, isn't there? Or there should that's- be. That's why I think it's such a brilliant job what Lee's done with his kid. And I think that should be another lesson within schools. As you've said, Craig, and you've just said, Lee, saying, look, these, it's an artificial world. People are allowed to be nasty, especially on Twitter where you can hide your identity or on these platforms you can pretend to be someone. And actually say, like, because, you know, I'd say in sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's quite the opposite, really, isn't it? What, you know, a punch on the nose, you think, oh, thank God that's over. But words you carry them throughout your life. Kev, I've said quite often on the show, the only time it matters, good or bad, when someone says something or comments is if they're your family or your close friends, because no one else knows you. So so even a good or bad comment, it doesn't it's to me, it goes over my head. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'd say thank you if it was a good comment. But either of them should go over your head because they don't know you. But I think when you're a child, especially a teenager. Your friends are your best friends forever. On at that time, you go, you go like, oh, you and Greg. Uh, um, you, when you leave school, you won't see him. You'll go, no, 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 Greg. Me, me and Greg will be best man at each. And and then it's not until you get older, 
when you, your circle becomes smaller and smaller and smaller, is it? And then you you know your true friends are. But at that time, every one of your 20, 30 friends, we're best friends, we'll do everything together. So until you get older, you think, oh, I don't really give a top uh, keepers, dude, are what he thinks. Mm, I think that's where it is. Like, there's that old saying, and those that start a journey with you don't always have to continue it with you, they don't have to see it through. And I think that's part of, like you say, the fr- your circle gets smaller. That's you, that's you growing, or that's them growing. So there's growth there. Whether it's you've been left behind because they've grown, or you they've been left behind because you've grown, there's growth. And I think as long as we can acknowledge that that is part of the growth process, and not say, "Oh, they used to be molated, now they are," and be all bitter around it. It's just you out you outgrow the pond that you grew up in, um, and it's not. It's not an arrogant thing to say, and I don't think people should feel shame that their circle gets smaller, because people do, and they feel bitter or they feel angry that they haven't joined you in your successes or your losses and you haven't been there. And I think it's all part of growth. And I think children, they, children bypass now childhood. Mm. Children want to be, they want to be, you know, little girls used to be wanting to be princesses. And and guy, little boys wanted to be heroes, and they wanted to be Spider Man, or they wanted to be Batman. Now the, the the young boys want to be a rapper, or they want to be an influencer. The the girl wants to be twerking at whatever age, and and this and the other. And I feel that children's childhoods are a lot different now to what they were when we grew up. You know, we had pogs, we had we was making swords out of sticks, we had you know kids chase if you want to go that far and tracker, and kids they got there and they've they've got an app. For a childhood, you know, child is, is one big app now. I feel what you said as well. Sometimes you're growing, but you're necessarily growing in different directions. And that's just the, the course I want to go. It's not like they're out your life. You've just got in a different path that they've gone. Yeah, I think that's that's what it is. I mean, like a tree grows from its root and it grows up until it starts branching out. And not, the branches don't even branch out in a straight direction. They take twists and turns. And each branch will take a twist and turn. So just because you've grown in that direction and they've grown in that direction, your growth is still going to take different turns. Doesn't mean to say you can't be a part of the same tree or you wasn't always part of the same tree. It just means you've got to appreciate the process and and things happen. You know, nothing's perfect. And a tree is a, a perfect analogy of that because it's perfect as it, it is, but it's imperfect in its shape. And I think this is what we've got to try and get in the schools, really, like getting the kids talk about stuff more openly and not just a, a once a month. Have people in their ex-scallywags and different, obviously they've all got to be CBR'd, you know, DBS to make sure they're all legitimate. But I think we've got to start doing like what we're doing here, what we hopefully want to carry on doing mm-hmm. and get, like we're starting our um, our first um, support session with Tough Enough to Care this Wednesday, aren't we, Like, yeah, yeah, I'll just bring the details up now. You've mentioned it, Kev. Hopefully people can see that. So it's, it's going to be every Wednesday, starting from Wednesday the 10th, um, between 7 and 9. At the moment, we do have restrictions on 15 people attending. Um, and if you would like to, sorry, I'll just remove that banner so you can see the contact details. So you have to pre-book in. If you email the email, you can see on the screen there, that's help dot tough enough to care dot help or text oh seven seven eight eight two six seven zero eight zero uh and get yourself booked in and that you have to be over 18 years of age for this one because of 
regulations. We were all, we're all going to be masked up, temperature gunned, sitting at um, the two metres gap and everything, you know, about the permission of the police and the council. But then in future, with our brothers at Tough Enough to Care, who do their sessions on a Monday, we're going to do an hours Wednesday from the Lions Boxing Club. Then in future, who knows, have like a 14, 17-year-old uh, class and just getting the teenagers on board. And as we're all saying, earlier we can get people talking about this stuff better, not worrying them about it, saying, oh, anxiety, anxiety, people going, how do you feel? Well, that's called anxiety. Or how do you feel? Oh, that might just be a bit of nerves because you're frightened of asking that person out and trying to explain the differences and showing, you know, whatever colour, creed, sexuality, whatever size you are, we all get this because, you know, mental health, you know, it, it's all of us. It doesn't just pick, oh, I'm just going to go for him or I'm just going to go for her. It's out there for all of us, much like cancer. Kev, uh, Charles asked if, it, if it's just for men. Yes, this one is just for men. But again, once the real world opens, we do have plans to do an emergency services version in the daytime, which will include men and, and women um, and include a boxing lesson within it. Because our, our dream at the moment is just, well, our, our overall dream is to get people in talking. Then we're going to get people doing the boxing training, me and Lee are both coaches, um, and we're going to get you there learning how to do boxing to do it properly, and then we'll finish by having a chat. But obviously, we've just got to roll with the punches, so we'll start off with the talking. But, you know, every oak tree comes from an acorn, so we're on the way to doing it. And as Lee says, in the real world, we'll hopefully be doing something in the day for people who have been furloughed. And we've got so many ideas, but one step at a time. But as I said, like mental health, um, mental ill health is like cancer. Because cancer can affect anyone. Or, you know, when you've had to hear about I mean, children having it. Or, you know, triathlon athletes, and they've never smoked, they've never drank, and still got them. Cancers, like mental health no matter what we do sometimes it just if, if it's going to bite you in the bum it's going to bite you in the bum i mean craig i know you've had a lot of experience at home with um cancer and oh mate it, it continues you know like all of my family especially my dad's side you know i think every one of my dad's siblings he was one of eight and every one of them had had, had cancer um one passed away a few years back um through effects of it i believe a long-term effects of it um, the only auntie that hasn't, she's she's been diagnosed with Parkinson's, I believe. Right. So I think I don't think she's had cancer, but she got the Parkinson's. Um, and now my brother, he's had to have his bowel removed. My two sisters have got to have the operation. You know, my dad's going going through the mill now with it, and it's it's just horrible, like to see it, especially my dad. You know, my dad's what fifty. He's just just turned fifty nine actually a couple of days ago. Um, and it, this happened when he was 54, I think it was, 2016. And you think, like, he worked how many jobs and he, he'd throw us around and he'd play with the kids and this and the other. And to hear there is, you'll probably kill me for saying it if you ever heard it, but to hear there is now on his knees in the living room after having no sleep and he's in excruciating pain, you know, crying, that's, that's not my dad, that's not... I only ever seen my dad cry when he went to the cemetery for a funeral and he said his dad's plaque on the wall. He'd normally walk off because, you know, he's going to have a cry. And to hear my mum say there is a, 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 from, that's the effects of cancer. And you think, fucking hell, like what? It's, it's horrible to see what, what people become through it. And you call out but pity them. And like I say, my siblings are going through it, you know, now they're awaiting operations. My brother's just going over a reversal of his operation. 
and it's 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 horrible, mate. Like cancer to the big C word. I think it's become so. Everyone you know now has either had it or they know someone that's had it or know someone that's died of it. When we were kids, it was it, it was quite an unheard of thing. You know, it's still a very very prominent thing in society. But you you could go like x amount of people throughout your family have not been in contact with it. Now every other person seems to have it or have you know, some version of it. I might I might have the stats wrong, but I think when we were kids, it was like one in four people would get it roughly. Now I think it's one in two. But as I said on Tuesday's episode, there was a, a statistic the other day about mental health. Out of five people in this country, four people are showing signs of either well of wellness or mental health problems. That is bonkers, isn't it? So cancer, uh, mental health on par with cancer and all this. It's, it's, it's bonkers, isn't it? But they're, they're still seeing miles apart. Uh, a physical illness and a mental illness. And like as we say, like as soon as you can get the cancer picked up, more chance you've got to beat it. And I think that's the same with mental health. You know, if we can mm. get seeing people at early doors, then hopefully we can battle it. It's like with cancer, if you, you put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off, and then it's spread all over you. So I think we've got to use the same metaphors, you know, get to see someone early doors. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think the most difficult part probably is, though, in terms of at least with cancer, for example, if you go to the hospital, they can probably diagnose it because they can see a mutation or however they, they do diagnose it. Obviously, with mental health, it's slightly more difficult because you don't know if somebody's just having a phase through their life or if they're stressed or, you know, they've gone through something. It's quite difficult to actually pinpoint it. It's not like there's any sort of mechanism by where we can look at someone and say, okay, in the, if this carries on in, in two months, you're going to have mental health, for example, or actually as of today, you are experiencing ill mental health because as we all know, all four of us and people listening is it's peaks and troughs sometimes, sometimes it's, you know, it's continuous. So that that's the most difficult bit. I think that's why all we can do is make people aware as much awareness that we can spread so that if somebody is maybe showing them signs i.e they're going through those phases that is prone to somebody then potentially end up with depression or whatever it may be then we can nip that in the bud as soon as possible a bit like cancer the, the earlier you get it obviously the easier it is to kind of at least control it or understand it and then do whatever you can with it so yeah it's scary i mean as you were just talking you and craig there it says here that in the uk every two minutes somebody's diagnosed with cancer and i wouldn't be surprised if in like 10, 15 years time, we were talking about our children earlier. If those figures, if we don't make a change globally and, and nationally, that our children may be experiencing every two minutes something to do with mental health because, because we know mental health doesn't fall on just a single spectrum. There's so many different avenues of it and it is scary. And, and you know, just to kind of segue a little bit further back to the conversation, we were talking about what it was like for us as kids. There's probably one person in, in the year who didn't like us, you know, the class bully, for example, who probably didn't like anyone. And that, and you'd always know about that. And that's it. But other than that, everyone was nice. There was those, your best friends. There was an outer circle or there was just normal people. Nowadays, because we have access to pretty much the whole world via our phone, you could, that one bully could, could be like a thousand. It could be 10,000. And like Lee was mentioning, you know, the YouTube channel for his little one. And Craig, you were mentioning that as, as your videos get more views, what actually happens is it comes out of the circle of from your, your close friends, it goes to an outer circle because your close friends are never really going to say anything, whatever they feel. They'll probably like it. They might not like it. But then the moment it starts heading out, it allows the public to then hide behind 
you know, the, the views and everything. And that's where they all kind of kick in. And then this bullying mentality kicks in. So yes, sorry for going around a little bit, but I just think it's something that we should at least tell our children or, and I hope they're doing this. They're probably doing this at schools anyway, or at least we can try and do that to make them aware that actually it's just growth. So like Lee says, in terms of reframing it, that somebody's, you know, you haven't liked, somebody hasn't liked it and somebody has liked it. The bigger you grow, the more negative stuff you're going to get because that's just the way of the world. You know, the more things we we try and eat, the more things we're not going to like because, you know, our taste buds and that's what we've got to kind of try and teach the younger generation, I suppose, because I wish I was told that growing up. Yeah. What, what's the t- statistics, Aaron? If you've got your Google there, for how many people complete suicide a day? Is it, I know it's 18 or... It, I know Tupac to care mentioned it the other day, Lee. Let me have a look, mate. Was, was it one in eight minutes or something? Uh, every two minutes, one uh, uh, one UK male commits suicide. Wow. I think. Complete. So made complete suicide. <laughs> Sorry. We had a great comment, actually, off Claire Stokes. Um yeah. Hello, about, about the kids growing up so it's a lot different now to when we grew up parents nowadays are scared to let their children out and be kids anymore i think that's that's certainly right like it scares me to death my, my eldest is 12 next week and it scares me to death they're just going to the shop even with friends you know it's it's uh, i think it's a different total different world now or it or it, i don't know whether it's different or we hear more about the world now that's the one because all the wrong guns and all them people are still there. But now that we've got um, our phones and and I think like it's like, Luminic, uh, we're aware of every real thing that's happening in our village and in the world and in the universe. And it, it just makes us worry, doesn't it? Sometimes you've got, like my Jasmine's still got her baby monitor, she's five. You know what I mean? And I know other people who have, have never had one. But like, it's our thing where we've, we've had it there all the time. And then you don't want to take it away. And it's the same with your kids. You don't want them to go too far in case. And you don't want to do this in case. And it's when I, before I had Jasmine, I said, I, I wouldn't be one of them parents, you know, kids got to go and make the mistakes, come back with grazed knees and broken hearts. But your child's the most important thing in your world, isn't it? And the fear of it getting hurt or taken from you is overpowering. Yeah, I think, like, I was watching the other day, for some reason, I was watching... Um... The 1960s Britain, and it's literally just a song playing over little video clips and photos. And I looked and I showed my missus and I said, like, how you had kids there lighting fires and what, like, obviously the poverty-stricken areas of the the 50s or 60s or whatever it was, and there was lighting fires and the adults were just talking, standing talking. They wasn't trying to wrap them in a bubble. It was almost as if the kids knew that. It was dangerous. And now now kids don't have that sense of danger, I don't believe. Everything's, they're so trusting. But the other thing, though, back in those days, your community, your street, looked after your kid. You'd have all the kids out in your road, but old Ethel, old Jeff, and everyone was there watching them. And if you did do something, I could give you a close friend here. But, they, you know, if you're doing something wrong, go, I'm going to tell your dad and go, I'm sorry, Derek. You know, and all the kids were together as one, and the safety in numbers, and all was the it, parents were looking out for each other. Was it you, Kev, that said, or have I read a quote or heard a quote somewhere? It was something like, "It takes a village to raise a kid." Yeah, and that's what I don't they, know. If... That, that's an old saying, isn't it? But that, that how true that is. Your, your village, your street, your cul-de-sac would raise that kid, and you'd have respect for them. You'd go and check on your elders. 
Uh, I remember we had a, an old lady in um, my mom's shop, Mrs. Ludlow, and whenever the ice cream man was coming around, you knew she'd want one. So you'd knock on the door and you'd go and get the money and get her ice cream. And if you need any chores doing in the garden, you'd do it. Because everyone was looking out. But now, apart from all this, where we've actually kind of got to know our neighbours because we were out there clapping every Thursday, you could live somewhere 20 years and not know the person two doors down. Because in the olden days, you'd go around, if you moved in, here's some cakes, my name's Kevin Dillon, what's your name? If you need anything, I'm next door. Nowadays, you walk past go, all right, if you're lucky. It was almost as if you was on first name, first name <laughs> terms with, with the Bobbies as well. I mean, one yeah. of the pictures on that was a, a police officer with his, his bell at on and that, walking some kids across the street, and I was admiring him and respectful. Now, yeah. like to, if you was to get that now, you know, you've, You'd be amazed or you'd be thinking, what's the kid done? Or why is he, you know, before it was innocent, or the kids didn't cross in the street, the copper would do it. And I think that's, that's just, I think that's a lot of due to population. You know, we're overly populated now in, not only in the world or not only in the country, but in our little areas, you know, and it proves that them, them starting to build on flipping Greenbelt land and the Halfpenny Airport, the Halfpenny Green Airport, they want to build homes on and, and that shows you how overly populated our little areas have become. And that's why you can't trust because you used to know your neighbours, as you say. I grew up on the Wallers and everybody on there, I pretty much knew who lived where or I was familiar with them. Now I go up the Wallers, mate, and I, I got a freaking clue who, who's up there. And I suppose that's just part of life, you know, Th things evolve and things move on. But like I said, the kids, I don't think they've got a sense of the dangers anymore. Just, they're, just, they're to add to that, just to add to what you're saying there, I think it's quite interesting because I think back in the day, because we never had access to a mobile phone or Google, for example, you, you almost had to get to know your neighbours and your community because otherwise you're going to have a very, very lonely life. You know, as humans, we're, we're designed to interact and have relationships. Whereas I think nowadays, because of the way the algorithm works and the way that we all just literally get fixated on our phones, it's so easy to look into other people's lives. We're obsessed we're looking at celebrities' lives, at influencers' lives and following, you know, like the Big Brother shows and everything. So instantly what you end up doing, because you get addicted, because they're designed that way by the cleverest people in the world, that you end up just engaging in people's lives that have no real relevance to yourself and actually forgetting the community around you. So actually what ends up happening is you end up having that level of exposure rather than the nice community around you, the nice people, your neighbours and stuff. And you see more stuff. So you see more, you know, like you see Bruce... Uh, sorry, uh, brutality towards police, police officers and stuff. You see people disrespecting people a lot more. Whereas back in the day, you never used to see that. You used to be so afraid to you know, say something wrong to your neighbours. I would never say no to my elderly neighbours because I knew I'd get in trouble from my parents when I get back out of respect. Now, you, you go on here and you see so much bad stuff. You think, well, I can get away with that. So there's that level of exposure, which I think, which I think, I think plays a part. I, sorry, well. lads, can I cut in? We, we, we have a, a guest coming on just to ask us a question. Yeah, um, hopefully this all works. So this is <laughs> this is Gemma. Hey there, Gemma. Gemma. I've been here, Gemma. Hello. Hi, Hello. Thank you very much. I've never done this before. No, I've never done this. <laughs> okay. Hello. Uh, How are you doing? Been, You're yeah. right. Sorry, you cut Hi. up a bit there, Gemma. No, Can I'm you hear us? Yeah, I was just working out where my camera was. <laughs> right. Can you hear me? Yes, we yep. can hear you, Jim. What's your question, darling? Well, I was going to ask, 
Um, sometimes, oh, let me let me just speak first, and then the question will just come. Uh, I was going to say that I've been in hospital years ago now, uh, two over two years ago with mental health, whatever that means. Right, and I was there for five to six weeks, and uh, sometimes I panic about telling people that I went there. On the other hand, once I've told everybody that I meet, anyone, uh, I feel automatically better because then they're like, oh. And so the next time I see them, if I look upset or down or happy or whatever, I know that they can remember me saying that. And then they change the way they speak to me. Sometimes for the worst, sometimes for the best, but they change. And that's why it's good tell people if you haven't been to hospital with a mental health like problem like I hadn't before that I found it really hard because I would start crying and then I couldn't even speak to say well I've got a mental health problem and that's the issue so sometimes if you know like if someone's told you or a, a professional has said you're having mental health issues you can lie you can say well I've actually been in you know somewhere for my mental health. You can lie through that part because that's your prerogative. And then the other person or the other people will take you more seriously. Because like somebody said on the show, on the program thing, whatever you call it, the other day, you know, if you've got a broken leg, people can see it. You have to make your mental illness visible, right? But you don't have to tell everybody everything. I'm not going to tell you what's wrong with me because I'm better. Because I've, I'm in something called remission. It links with the cancer thing is that you can get better. But it, mine is called in remission for a mental health issue. Right? I've never heard of that before, but that's apparently... Sorry, my phone's going <laughs> And that ringtone, right, is the ringtone I had in the hospital. Right? Now, that is... Had. I on. Right? That's, 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 that's what I wanted to say and that's what I'm asking I'm asking do you find that if you say well I've, I have actually dealt with it and I have been somewhere that but people change the way they speak back to you yeah. but this is why we started this gem because all the years I was carrying stuff around in my heart and I'd tell the odd person this and I'd tell the odd person that and then more I was telling them they'd go you give Okay, yeah, and I go, don't tell anyone, but me too. And more that conversation keep going, and me too, me too, and yes, and me. And I thought, well, let's take this somewhere big and let's knock down the stigma of it. Because, as you say, it's, maybe you'll never cure it in some ways. Maybe we'll always be there. Maybe we'll just deal with it better. But it's not being ashamed of it. It's about owning it. Owning it instead of hiding it. I think, if I can put in there, I think I love what you say about you, you have to make your mental health issues physical i love that because people don't people only see what they see if that makes sense and if it's not there they don't really look for it or they they're not sure how to look for it so i love the fact that you say you need to make it you need to make it physical it's it it's kind of an out there term that i've never heard anyone put it into that perspective i know you've said before kevin psych having a broken leg but you saying that you know maybe that's a hashtag make mental health physical <laughs> <laughs> I might as well jump in as well. I just want to say thank you, obviously, for sharing um, your story, a little bit about it. Um, but when I first mentioned that I had anxiety, again, I didn't know I had anxiety. I, was, I just thought I was a weird person. 
Um, and, and I used to react quite differently, especially around like big groups and stuff, even with friends, even with people that I love to see. It was almost like just before meeting them, I'd always cancel plans, like literally five minutes before. Um, and then it was only when I started the, the first podcast, Find Your Voice, and started openly saying why I have anxiety and how I feel and how, how it makes me want to run away and stuff, that now people are a lot more confident towards myself. So if I ever do that, they'll actually message me and say, well, is it excuse real or are you, are you struggling or, and do you want to come a little bit later and stuff? And people are a lot more receptive towards it. And again, I suppose using the analogy you used, I kind of made it more physical that people recognize certain habits of my life as, oh, this is maybe Aaron's anxiety playing up. So yeah, I, I encourage everyone. And like Kev says, this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to, it's almost like a me too. Like there's nothing wrong with you because I think we, we often think that it's exclusive to ourselves, but there's so many other people probably feeling the same way as us. You know, Gemma, the, the thing I've probably mm. found the, mo uh, the most enlightening for me is once I started opening up, actually my, my family, my family are now talking about it. And I mean, um, coming, you know, even my dad, my dad will, will talk to me more than he ever has about it. And, th and there's only good to come out of that. Um, my sister, they all, everyone now, um, once I, you know, everyone now is more open to it, open to talking about it. And that's, that's always a win for me. So I'd always say, go out there and talk. I think, like, it's... I think he's, like, yeah. looking through a window, you know. Yeah, sorry, you carry on. Carry on, Jim. I think she's just agreeing no, with us there. A... <laughs> yeah. uh, it's because I'm a teacher. I, I, uh, I always... Because I'm a teacher. <laughs> so I always... <laughs> Force of habit. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say it's yeah. like it, it's kind of like looking through a window, you know. If if you're looking, if you're on the outside looking into an house and you see people in there, and it's a red hot sunny day, but the eating's cranked up full in the house. From the outside, you don't know the eating's cranked up full, and that they need they need a window open or they need help or air conditioning. So I think if you crack the window and say, "Look, the eating's up full, and we're dying in here," you know, it's um, I think it's. I think talking about it allows people to see you for what it is. But Gemma, thank you ever so much for coming on. And if you ever want to do this again sometime, please do the same. Uh, to take care of yourself, thank darling. Thank you. Brilliant. I've really enjoyed being part of it. Thank you. Always. No, thank you very much. Take care, Gem. Bye. Bye. Um, it worked, Lee. That if anyone else would like to come on and ask us a question all you have to do is email us at this and we'll we'll get you on to ask a question um but thank you very much Jim. that's the first one that's the the, the dummy run done <laughs> oh that, that ain't very nice a dummy. <laughs> well, i didn't mean that <laughs> no really Jim, that was wonderful thank you for being part this is what we want to do we want to get you as we'll say the fifth the fourth whatever person in the room with us and if you don't feel comfortable to come on as Gemma had the courage to do, then it takes courage. Then please keep uh, your comments and questions coming in. Because, as I say, when you talk about mental health, it's an endless topic. And I think more brave people that can come on and talk about it. I mean, on uh, truth. Uh, well, this whole month, this whole year, we've had some great guests on, haven't we, guys? Yeah. We have, mate. We have. We're only, we're only a month in, Kev. So you say the last 18 months we've had great guests on. Well, the 18 months. Like, this, this month seemed like a year so far, in my opinion. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, we've got some big things coming up uh, soon, guys. As I say, the Tough Enough to Care coming on and doing them things. So please get in touch because they are a wicked organisation as well. Brilliant. Um, um, sorry, uh, Kev. Lee, are you seeing the, the comments? I think they're coming from YouTube. Yes, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, but but there's a the, basically he's trying to explain a dream to us, and until he's finished explaining the dream, I don't right, think I'll okay. bring it up on the screen. <laughs> All okay, right, mate. okay, no, that's fine. I, I was I was just seeing it come through. I'm trying to figure out if it's a legitimate post as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, I think we ignore it a bit longer. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I totally can make some sense of it. There are a couple of um, messages in there saying saying hello. Uh, Paul Bogey messaged in. Evening, guys. Hope you're all well. Um, Charlene Plant, there isn't enough targeted MH support for children. It really needs to change. Yeah. You know, completely agree with that. I mean, my, my child's school, a uh, primary school, they have what's called, I, I think it's called a quiet room. It's where the kids can go and gather the thoughts or they could meet someone in there. So if they're in there and the teacher sees them, they can go in there and and have a word of them. I believe it's called the quiet room. I don't know the exact workings to it. And I think for that primary school to even take their initiative to do that shows that they're at least in touch with children get stressed and children get pressured, especially up to year six, you know, where, where they're just learning the, the school and, and things like that, learning the schooling system. Um, for them to be able to go in there and read a book or to speak with someone confidentially, I think that's, I think that's a, a, at least a great step in, in, in taking their initiative. Well, can you imagine how it's going to be when they go back? And some kids oh, are going to have basically have had off. We've already almost had like 12 months off. And then say it is March, April, May, June, July, September. Like some kids who absolutely love school, it's going to be, it, it's really been hard for them. But if you'd have been like a kid like myself who hated school, and then you've had this longer period off it, and then Peeling the kids off the games and the internet and the phones and make them sit down again for six hours a day when they're like when my Jasmine went from year, uh, she did six months in reception, then she went to year one and she's expected to go from reception to year one, and then it'll probably be from year one to year two. That's all right, it's her age. But when you're going from like, I don't know, from year six to year eight, you know, it's going to be a lot for these kids to take in, not just for education, but social graces. And obviously the anxiety, agoraphobia, germophobia, the bullying. And, and I think there's going to be so many different aspects to this virus within kids, you know. And, and that's why I think they should start getting things in place now to spot it with our children. Definitely. Because oh, this is going to, it's going to be a minefield going back there. And I can't envy the teachers because the teachers are there to teach. But we need other members of staff in there, teaching assistants or whatever, to be spotting underlying problems. Okay, I think, Kev, I think sorry, I think also just educating the kids to spot it. You know, ultimately, yeah. you've, you've got one kid and probably one teaching assistant. I'm not sure how it works. There might be more. But, you know, that's only that's only the two people. If you can get the kids spotting what their friends are doing, it's going to be a lot easier. And learning how to say something. And, you know, and why words hurt? And why, you know, if... Look, I've always taught Jasmine, it's like, uh, if you see a child, like before all this, if you see a child crying, go and hold their hand and see if they're all right or help them up. And just the little things like that. But I think we need to get some kind of structure. If it's not in the homes, you can only teach something if you know it yourself. If you don't know, it's how you're ever going to teach it. So if we could have platforms or organisations doing this within schools, I think we'll have a, a much better 
much better world. And let's say get that bit of community spirit going back. So if you haven't got it in your street, but you've got it in your classroom, we've got it in your gym, we've got it in your class or your dojo, and spreading the love and being aware when someone's upset. I think Kev, that's. I think that relies on. Obviously, we want schooling systems and this only other to have things in place like that. But I think ultimately, usually when when a voice is spoken or a number of voices spoken, it, it falls on the right ears. And I think parents' meetings and things like that. Or if even if we got together as parents in the different schools and say, right, this is an initiative I feel could help our kids if the school can implement it, and then we pull it forward to them because mm-hmm. they may not be they may not be parents, they may not be I know them teachers and that, but they may not be in touch with with that more personal emotional state of a child. So mm-hmm. as parents, if we thirty of us got together and say, or at the annual meetings raised it, we believe that we could do better with children's mental health. At least then, if we've said it and it's not, it's not happened, you know, we can ask why. But if we haven't asked it, we can't expect, we can't keep expecting systems and that to, to think about it. Like when I spoke to Marcus about the NHS mental health and that, and I said to him, I said, Marcus, what can I do for you? Anything I can do, let me know. I said, because ultimately I will, I'll, it's for us. I said, you guys will help facilitate it on a bigger scale. I said, but it's for us. He said, and this is what we're trying to see, is get involved because we facilitate something that is for you. And I think with the schooling systems, if we can take that initiative as parents to put forth, uh, you know, a proposal to the schools, what we think is happening and what we've, how we feel it can be addressed and see if they can facilitate it rather than have them, uh, you know, come up with all the strategies on their own. I, I think I mentioned this on the show the other day. Has anyone watched the, the Chasers? And they're doing that thing, planes, brains, and automobiles, and they're going around. And I think yeah. it's the second show, um, The Beast, he got the highest uh, IQ test out of them all. But then when they did an, an empathy test, Sean, uh, he got the highest one, and The Beast got the lowest one. But I think we're so concerned on our IQ scores of how we can remember things, and we're not focusing enough on the empathy scores. Yeah. How do what how how does when Craig's upset make me feel, and how can I see that Aaron's anxious and why easily angry? So maybe if we can just do even just a small, small portion, you know, an hour a week or something like that, just to get people aware of how it is. But if you bring that in year nine, the kids will laugh it out. So we've got to be doing that from the very start of primary school. And that's I, a great I think like, Sorry, Aaron, you carry on, mate. I was just going to say, I think that's a great point. I just quickly brought up a, a trusted friend, Google. And uh, so emotional intelligence, basically, I think is what you're referring to, Kev, which is um, the ability to understand, use and manage your own emotions in a positive way. And it can help like relieve stress, communicate effectively and empathize with others. And I think we touched on it briefly earlier. I think I said the word guinea pig that we, we're almost, we can only teach what we know, right? So we, we should almost see ourselves as, okay, guinea pigs now who are trying to understand this mental health thing world, you know, that we're going through now. We're all trying to understand it. We're all trying to express it, raise awareness for it. We need to now take those lessons and obviously feed it back. So even simple things like talking, listening, nutrition, being kind to others, like you just demonstrated there, Kev, um, and helplines and stuff. I think that instantly, that those five things would just set our kids up for su- such an easier ride to at least know where to look because we've all found this out in the last 18 months. 
like it's only through like research and figuring out why my brain is the way it is that I realize actually probably the food that I'm eating on a daily basis isn't helping me, for example, or the way I speak to myself. And, you know, like you said, if we can all work together and it's brilliant that we have parents on here as well, because the more, the more eyes and ears we get and the more thoughts we get, because again, we're just four people here that we can get in terms of what can help benefit our kids. I think it can massively help. I think Karen, um, has just brought up a brilliant thing here. She says, I think in a digital world, children having empathy is harder. Possibly, yeah. I'd say I definitely. I think it's 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 hard to empathise with a computer screen or a phone or, you know, and you're not seeing that person's real emotion. I think um, as well, like, if, if I can just jump in early, I think that, like, to point that out, because I think that's a wicked point. I think that if you, if, if, to me, if you're watching a film and you see a car crash, there's a certain part of that screen in between you and that movie, that car crash, is the screen to let you know or let you, lead you believe it's not real. But if you're in the street and you see a car crash, you're going to have some kind of emotion or, or emotional response towards it. And I think that's a wicked point to, to bring up because it, it's a real when there's a screen in front of you, but it is, you know, it's just a, a different degree of, it's just a different level of real. Or if you're being hurtful with your words, you're saying all these horrible trolling terms, you're not seeing that person on the other side sobbing or getting frustrated or kicking the door because it's just words to you. Like if you have to say that, even something, you know, everyone gets um, braver when they're on the telephone. Everyone gets braver when they're typing a text. But it takes courage to say it to someone. And then it's not only courage, but like when you say it to someone and you, you see them start crying or you, you see the dentist thing. But that's what we get at school, isn't it? That's how you can see when uh, you're pushing buttons. But I think when you're just doing it on screen, as um, Lady said, you know, it, we're losing our human interaction little skills. But yeah, wicked point. Thank you ever so much. Yeah, that's a great point. I think we, with kids as well, going back to like you say, how does it affect, if I'm down, how does it affect you? And I think there could be things in place that say, right, if we know there's problems with Craig and he's got two close friends or three close friends, you know, it might pull them aside and see how if they, they've changed or they've noticed a change and if it's affecting them. There's loads of strategies you can work on. I think it, it just it, it's born from empathy and it's born from initiative as opposed to sitting back thinking, oh, the, the kids are going through all this crap and there's nothing in place for it. Well, if there's nothing in place for it, surely it's our responsibility as people and, you know, I'll say humanitarians or humans you know, just to, to try and make people's lives better. So don't always expect someone, you know, if you're freezing in the cold and wet outside, do you, are you going to expect to wait for someone to come and put a jacket over your shoulders? Or are you going to do it yourself? You're going to probably do it yourself, aren't you? So I think that's what we need to understand as people. We've got a comment. Sorry, mate. We've got a comment from, from Steve. So Steve says, guys, do you think that we sometimes... I think that's meant to be C children struggling to cope and just put it down to a phase. Uh, he heard that a lot growing up, just a phase. Hmm. It can be, can't it, mate? Uh, unfortunately, they say, oh, he's just going through one of them phases. But once again, I mean, as we, we've we all been teenagers and you can be a moody teenager because your hormones are going through the roof. You're trying to find out stuff and you don't want to ask questions because you don't want to be teased and so I think maybe we just have to be a bit more frank with our children and just say, look here, whatever you've got to talk about, come and talk to mommy and daddy or go and talk to your brother or go and talk to your coach. And it might be a phase or it might be a larger issue. 
hopefully it is just a phase, you know, because we, mm. we've all had that, haven't we? But nine to, you know, maybe it's not. So as we say about suicide, ask the question, even though the answer might be uncomfortable, you know, it has to be out there. Even as even as adults and parents, mate, like we never stop learning. There's no there's no one one specific blueprint to parenting, is that? Or even dealing with people, you know, not even dealing with kids, but dealing with people. Don't think because you've dealt with that person for twenty years, it's gonna be dealt with the same for the next twenty years because people change, we grow. You know, we go in different directions. We have different thought processes. And I think as as a parent, I think the only thing to do, and this is what I try and do with my kids, even though they're young, is understand understand them and spot and notice it and not maybe not approach it direct and say, look, you know, you're doing this and you're doing that and it's not what you normally do, but, but keep an eye on it and adapt your interaction with them to suit. So, if I see my son going through, let's say the golf period, if he's going through the golf period and I feel he's lonely, you know, from time to time, dress up in golf clothes with him and, and let him know that if that's what he wants to do, that it's okay. He doesn't have to subject himself to isolation from us or from his friends just because they think it's weird. You know, here, here you go, dad'll be, if it's weird, dad'll be weird with you. And I think he doesn't always need a head on interaction it just needs empathy and it needs to you just need to keep an eye on it and adapt to whatever the child's going through in my opinion but that's it there's no there's no manual to being a parent is there and all we do i mean every parent is listening to this you know we spend that, uh, most of our things trying our best feeling guilty you know no matter what we do we seem to feel guilty about something but as you say i think Empathy all across the board, from our work colleagues to our family, to our loved ones, even to our enemies. Let's try and, you know, empathise. Aaron, I know you're a big empathobe. <laughs> I am. I was just actually just going to point out um, Karen's point there as well. I think you just had it on the, on the screen, which is um, just, again, the importance of talking and how vital it is about um, not making assumptions. But um, obviously I don't have children, but I wanted to just bring something up a little bit a little bit on a tangent as somebody who doesn't have children about probably six months ago, there was, there was quite a lot of um, support towards getting children off social media, for example, and that, you know, you should reduce their time, for example, but, but then me playing devil's advocate is kind of well, the world's moving towards that. So actually what you're trying to do is move them away from a world that they're going to grow up in without having, knowing how to kind of navigate that. So I know there's a lot of people, maybe somebody watching this, who's totally against the social media and being on there, I think we have to embrace it. And then the most difficult part of it is how do you navigate that well enough in order to keep them safe within there? So that's kind of like my thing is hopefully a future, you know, parent one day that I need to basically let my child live how the rest of the world is living rather than try and protect them, but then but then protect them in that means, if that makes I sense. I think, Aaron, I struggle with this myself. And I, I actually agree exactly what you're saying. What we need to do is let them use social media but educate them on how to use it correctly and mm. instead of going actually you just can't go on it yeah because anything i know as a kid anything i said someone said you can't do i wanted to do it so i think you're right we you know i think it still has to be moderated because all my two eldest kids will sit there all day not necessarily social media but 
in front of a screen, not interacting with anyone. We literally wouldn't see them. We're getting a, we're getting a, um, an Alexa announcement asking for some dinner. You know, they don't <laughs> even come downstairs to ask for dinner. Um, so I think definitely it needs to be moderated, but it needs to be educated on how to use it and what it's for. I think the scary thing with social media is when we were kids and we were down the park and you'd see a guy our age now, you'd run away. You'd think there's something wrong about this. Whereas nowadays with social media, anyone can be anyone. But I think as you're right, education with your kids, like from a young age, more Jasmine, and I've said, you know, you don't let strangers see your private parts and everything. Because that... Nowadays, when people are taking pictures of their body at a young age or teenage age or whatever age, and they forget, once it's out there, it's out there. Once that photo has been taken, it's not like a hard copy. Once it's out there, it's out there. It's, and I, I thought it was really weird and difficult having to say to a young child, I'd rather start young so it's ingrained in a head all the way through adulthood, that, you know, that's your private area and don't take pictures of it. And that's once again to the social media, isn't it? If you don't know them, while you arrange to meet with them and whatever you do, don't take pictures of yourself because, you know, that's your private area and you don't know this person. I think we, we as parents and people lead, you know, you lead from the front and I think a hypocritical stance on, on anything, it, it, it's just counterintuitive. So if like you say, we say kids don't want you on social media, it's not safe. And then you're on social media. It, it, it sort of invalidates your, the lesson to be learned. Mm. And I think it's the same, like you say, with moderation. If you turn around and say, look, you can go on it, it's going to be what's it's going to be clocked and your time is going to be restricted to however we feel is suitable, an hour or a night or whatever. I think at the moment, we, we, kids, parents, adults, we've got free will. So if you wake up at two in the morning, you reach for your phone, you, you can search Facebook. It's not like, it's not like going to any kind of shop or any cinema that if you want to go there at two o'clock in the morning, it's going to be closed. It's 24 seven open. It's just, we need to, we need to know when's best to, and how's best to access it. Like you say, Aaron, the, like the, it's not in just closing the door to that world because you're not teaching them anything. Then you got to teach them, you know, how to delegate the time better and how to moderate it better and, and, and safe practice. So I think we can all, like, this is not me judging anyone or not me saying I'm perfect. I mean, my kid plays Fortnite. You know, he's 18. I know the age rating for that is 18. And it drives me potty. But as a parent, you're always torn between doing what you know is best for that child and not having them bullied at school because they're being left out of of a trend or of, of a craze. And I think that's where moderation comes in. But, you know, it's one of them. I can do a lot better to learn how to moderate it a lot better and I know I can. And I think we, we've just got to ever learn. We've just got to not be stuck in our ways with, pardon my language, that's, this is what it is and that's where it is. Eh? You know, we, we've got to do but better to learn. I think at this time, it's very hard to moderate, isn't it? Because we're just locked in our houses. So we're all on our phones a little bit more. We're all watching a bit more television because, you know, we're stuck in the house. So... But on that, Kev, um, Steve's brought up, he says social media is fine as long as it's moderated. Digital addiction is a real thing that needs to be looked at, um, out, look, looked out for in our modern world. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, had... you imagine how much worse that is getting at this point with everyone being stuck at home. Not only that, you're learning from a computer now. 
That's you know, all the us. online works off, off off your computer. It'd be interesting, actually, if we can get a digital addiction expert on. Well, do you remember we had Joe Plum on the other week, and he was saying yeah. um, his journey, and he said he was completely addicted to it. He went from someone who was bullied at school, then he did an amp- uh, campaign. That's a great episode, by the way, if you don't want to listen to it, Joe Plum. And he got like over 100,000 friends, and he was constantly doing his content. And he said it was, it was a form of uh, it's like being addicted to drugs or cigarettes. He was having to do it all the time. And I think once we come out of, I mean, kids and grown-ups and everyone, has been more on the phones, more to... Back in the day, I was watching your telly, wasn't it? Now it's, you're watching your phone, you're watching your tablet, while the TV's still on in the background. Mm. But I think once we come out of whatever lockdown we'll end up out of, seeing how addictive just everyone is, and then having kids having to just stare at pen and paper back at school, you know, whether they they do have withdrawal symptoms... That's that's the thing. Like it's a, it's an addiction. Like it's that. I watched the documentary once, and they Facebook and the likes. You know, all social medias. They employed um, Vegas casino experts mm-hmm. at them who who creates the uh, the the fruit machines and that for those because they wanted to know how they program them to appeal to our addictive nature, and like the social media sites would employ them so as they can find out how. It's like if you go on Facebook. And you put a picture on and you get 10 likes, 20 likes or two likes if you're me. Um, and then you get none for three days and then you get another two. That's because Facebook every now and then will flash it in front of these people to get you back on. Because what you got to understand is their business is your time. You know, the longer they have your time and attention, the more wealth they gather and, and, and the more their platform succeeds. And us as parents and us as people, because me, I'm a Mate, YouTube Shorts is the one at the minute because it's, it's set up like TikTok. You scroll, 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 scroll. Once you get on one, it is addictive. And me as a 32-year-old guy that's got some kind of self-restraint, I find it hard to come off the head sometimes myself. And you caught a, a kid who is fascinated by the smallest things, you can expect it to grab their attention for longer. Absolutely. I was just going to say, attention is basically the new currency. And that's where all yeah. these big... You no know, organizations, Facebook, Google, everything. That's where they, they run it off. So, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, it's almost like recognizing that our children and even ourselves, I mean, sometimes my phone notifies me. I've been on it for over 10, 10 hours on my screen display, mainly mainly during lockdown, which is like such a dangerous thing when you, when you think about it, um, that we have to almost think, okay, if they are going to be on it, then is there a way we can maybe move that attention somewhere to a little bit more that's going to be beneficial? Because I can't, I don't know. Again, I'm not. I'm not a parent, so maybe I'm. I'm speaking slightly, um, you know, with less experience. But I just feel it's so easy just to be on it all the time. Because, like you said, Lee, your work's on it now. Like even my work, I can't work without this laptop here. I'm pretty much sitting in this seat for like 14 hours a day. So it's almost like if it is moderation, maybe implementing something else that gives you something different. Because otherwise, it's just dopamine hit after dopamine hit. Because that's what they run on, basically, isn't it? And that, that's why we just keep scrolling. And that's why the likes, every like, is a dopamine hit. And as as Steve mentioned there, that's why we get addicted. We we get addicted because of the feeling that something gives us, be that alcohol, drugs, or whatever. And and social media is definitely one of those things. And where you say, Kev, if I can just say, where you say grab them from the kids and from the young age, this is what we're allowing as parents, the social media and the internet companies and that to do. We're allowing them to program them from the young age. That dopamine it comes from your phone and it comes from this alert and that alert. So it's important for us to, you know, keep that programming under under restraints 
almost use what Lee said. Almost use what Lee said at the beginning in terms of even the good stuff, not let that affect you too much as well. Because otherwise you're going yeah. to valid, validate your whole existence based on likes. Like I, I do it, like I release a YouTube video. If it's like 500 views, the next one will get 80. I feel like shit for the next few days. I'm like, oh, is there any point? But it could just be a completely different topic that nobody cares about. But I'm, I'm valuing myself. I'm like, I spent more time on this. I did this and I'm a grown man. I know about all of this. We're speaking about it now. So <laughs> we have to almost... Let, let our kids know that just because you get more likes doesn't mean anything in terms of your you as a person. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's yeah. almost separate, if that makes sense. Well, guys, I've really enjoyed tonight having a chat. Uh, unless there's anything else I don't want to say. Cause that's, uh, can that's I, yeah, sorry, sorry, Kev. Can I just bring up the support group uh, once yeah. again for anyone who's, who's just tuning in? So this is uh, our support group uh, that we're doing. We're tough enough to care. Um because we are in lockdown, it's restricted to 15 people at the moment. It's going to be on Wednesday, starting the this Wednesday coming, Wednesday the 10th, between 7 and 9. Um, if you'd like to come along, please email or text us on help.toughenoughtocare.help or text on 077-8826-7060. Again, it's, it's restricted to 15 places um, and they're filling fast. So please come along. So that's a men's support group. And I'll be at the Lion Boxing Club in Brawley Hill. All right, then. Um, before I... Uh, but as I'm advertising my uh, the guest for on Tuesday, you guys have a think about a quote. So um, on, tu- on Tuesday, at normal time, we've got a man called Ryan coming on, talking about uh, many different things. I won't give anything away. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be talking about all different subjects. So, um, yeah. A great story. Sad story, but a great story about how people can overcome. So, guys, anyone got any quotes? Craig. I've, I've actually found one. I found one on Twitter, actually. Um, it might help, actually. It's, it's, it's very similar to comparison is a thief of all joy, which is probably one of my favourite quotes. But I think maybe even for our children as well, you can obviously reword it, but it's, it's basically a spin-off of that, which is comparison is a form of violence you, we do to ourselves. And I think especially with social media, that's where a lot of our self-doubt and, you know, the way we treat ourselves and speak to ourselves is because we're comparing ourselves to somebody's almost perfect life that they choose to show. So, yeah, we'll go with that if that's okay, guys. Well, (laughs) until we talk next time, take care of yourselves and each other. (laughs) See you guys. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta-ra-ra-bit. Listen, listen, listen.